a hiring manager may not fully understand why I think they need to make an offer to an individual because from their perspective, um, which is different, they may be thinking about the results in the next three months. Um, they may be thinking about the workload in the next three months and they may be thinking about the level of capability they need in that next three months. Whereas I'm actually thinking about the next nine to 12 months. I'm thinking about that personal's growth potential, how they you know, can deliver maybe 65, 70, 75% of the, the deliverables we're looking for now and their growth potential to hit that sort of 100%. And equally, I'm thinking about the overall kind of cultural fit. So it's, it's like I say, the perspectives may be different, but we, I think there does need to be that, that respect for us to get to a point where we can make a final decision that is, is fully considered. Hello, and welcome to Better Conversations with me, Siham Sirene. If you're hiring talent, or for that matter, if you're interviewing for a job currently, then listen on. How do you know through conversation if someone is a good fit for your team and your company, both now and into the future? Well, I'm talking with talent acquisition project manager, Glenn Martin. Glenn talks to a lot of people, candidates and hiring managers. Companies bring him in to find great talent and to create the best hiring experience. So from reviewing CVs to the interview, making us an offer, onboarding us, and then once we've joined the company, how we can grow and what career paths are open to us. He works with several companies at a time to help them make smart hiring decisions fast, which is no small challenge because people, we, are sometimes unpredictable and sometimes surprising. And there's often a gap he's helping to bridge between what a company is looking for in a new hire and what that particular individual could offer beyond the immediate need they'll be fulfilling beyond the first three to six months. So how does Glenn influence who gets that job offer and what influences his own decision making? That's all in this episode, including what he does to put you at ease at interview. But first, how did someone who studied sports science find himself in talent acquisition? Yeah, great question. So um, with regards to the degree, for me, it was really a focus around getting into to kind of coaching. Um, I did enjoy biomechanics um, during the course of my degree, but to actually really get any further in that, I had to do a PhD and that just wasn't an option for me at the time. So I kind of left um, with a with a, a good degree and, <laughs> and actually uh, a really close friend of mine um, kind of made a proposition, which was, if you give me 12 months, I'll give you a job and at the time, I was I was slightly reserved about the idea of kind of office work, and he said, "Look, I genuinely believe that you you'd be good at this at this role um, because you're a people person." And you know, I kind of went into it with a, a level of scepticism. Um, <laughs> and then, fourteen years later, um, I'm I'm still very much active in the in the recruitment and talent acquisition space. So, thank you to him for for. Yeah. He was he was so absolutely he was right. right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. He was absolutely right, and uh, remains a very close <laughs> friend now. Fantastic. And one of the things I asked you about was, um, you know, how do you need to influence people um, in the work that you do? Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, influence for me is really around you know that provision of actually good quantifiable information, thinking more broadly about the context, and then offering them 
my experience from a from a people perspective because I think with with certain key stakeholders whilst their their seniority level within the business is 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 you know is is key to consider um, how hands-on or close to the the kind of recruitment process through their career can can differ so they may have different experiences they may have quite quite siloed experiences and my uh, my role I see my role is to to kind of provide them with a broader piece of information to to make that kind of informed decision and so I'm guessing that given your 14 years of experience in the space, you've seen, um, you know, selections or, or individuals that have been placed somewhere that's what, where that's worked and where it hasn't worked. Um, and so you're drawing on that, you're providing your recommendation to your clients. Is that right? Yeah, totally. So, um, it, I mean, when you're, when you're working or when you operate in a, in a, a kind of a, a area that is solely based around people. Um, people are, are not always predictable. They don't always do exactly what you think they will do or what you would like them to do. Um, and equally as well, when you think there might be a negative outcome, people can really surprise you. So I think it's, you know, whilst um, my key stakeholders will be looking at, I guess, their, their particular challenge, what they need in that individual in the context of the business they're in, in the context of, I guess, the you know the kind of strategy they've got, um, actually being able to provide them with a broader view um, from my experience in, in different industries um, with different operational levels of individuals, I think that can help make a more kind of informed decision. And that's always my driver. It's because, you know, I, I, I do support differing levels of kind of stakeholders um, within a within a business, and I think you know for me it's, it's really about trying to give them as much information as possible to make that that informed decision. And so, what does a better conversation look like for you? What what makes that a brilliant conversation when you've had it? Yeah, great question. Um, and I think certainly when you, we first spoke about me coming on the show, I was immediately sort of thinking, what what does make a a better conversation and I, I've kind of concluded on a, a, a few elements so for me definitely a better conversation starts in a very calm place and that enables both individuals or everyone so whether it's one-to-one -one or in a group to really share and be encouraged to share so their thoughts their experience their opinions without fear of I guess kind of criticism or it being dismissed from a kind of seniority perspective. Um, but equally, I think everybody needs to, whether it's again, one-to-one -one or in the group, they need to acknowledge that they may be kind of respectfully challenged on their opinion and their thoughts. So I think that's that's healthy. I think that's a healthy thing. Um, separating, separating out the, the kind of sound and feel elements of, of your question. I am, um, <laughs> as a, uh, as, as someone that really enjoys music and is an on-off player of the of a guitar, <laughs> I like an conversation. Yeah, exactly. I like in conversation to to a song. So you kind of almost have the intro, the verse, the bridge, the chorus, and then you know the verse, bridge, and the outro. Um, it, it kind of has that 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 flow, and I think that's that's what better conversation does sound like. So it can it can take you through a myriad of emotions, um, but I think. The, the, the key thing is that you should never feel fearful or kind of intimidated to express 
your opinion and you should always feel like you've moved forward after a conversation yeah i like your um your analogy with um with it being a piece of music because it is there is a there is a a, a beginning middle and end yeah. right um and um and sometimes um there can be a repeats of that there'll be a beginning middle and end that starts a conversation that gets things going and then you know you you come back together and you go through it again and move you you become more aligned as you do um there's an interesting um aspect to conversation that you touched on which is being challenged and feeling finding a place of of, of being comfortable with that um it shouldn't be fearful but there should be a, a is it a tolerance or an acceptance or a because most people most of us find being challenged really quite difficult and um depending on who you're having the conversation with um it can it can be uncom really uncomfortable or it can be enjoyable yeah, yeah I, I see yeah yeah so i think the the key thing with res respectfully challenging now that's i think that's that's something that you you kind of can or should look to create within the culture of a business um the culture and and the culture of the team i think that's something that you, you kind of put into play um into that that environment so that everybody kind of understands that it is that it's something that can can happen and and then the calibration comes between one-to-one -one or in the group in terms of what people are comfortable with um, what people aren't comfortable with so i think that that should generate some openness so you know hopefully i'm kind of getting to the, the number of what you're looking for here but if like myself um you're, you're quite introverted um you need to you need to kind of almost uh not set your boundaries but make people aware of of ultimately what you're comfortable discussing um and equally if you're quite an extroverted character you need to be quite mindful that that may not be um comfortable for everybody and your approach to respectfully challenging and may need to be almost uh, again calibrated for for the individual the group that you're in so i think that yeah there's the broadest context of adopting that type of approach within a, a, a you know a team a business so that everybody is aware that it's something that can and, and does happen and then you find the calibration within the conversation itself and um do you think just a, a little bit of a um a challenge to you i guess is do you think it's it's fair that someone um who is an extrovert say um should um should adjust their communication style um in in regard to you know understanding who is around the table and who they're talking to so for example um if you've got an extroverted person talking to um an introverted person do you think it's a fair um expectation that um there might be an adjustment and equally on the part of an introverted person as well towards the extroverted person do you think it's fair that um we make um adjustments or should we just be who we are that's a that's a fair fair question and i think the in in response to that it depends on how much you want to get out of the conversation i think if you're if you 
if you're really keen to get you know kind of rich information out of the conversation if you really want to kind of make that connection with that individual to to really make sure that it's a meaningful conversation then yeah you'll be thinking about that individual and how they receive and are comfortable to, to receive information but i think yeah you're right should you have to adapt your style no there's there's no there's no kind of um, mandate that you you have to but i think if you're if you're you know indexing on your your kind of eq and you really want to get a lot out of that conversation you will be thinking about the audience and how they receive information i i agree with you i think if you want to get something out of the the mm relationship or the connection with someone we do need to make adjustments mm. and that comes down to our awareness of ourselves right yeah, and how we're showing up in the situation and so um i i'm completely aligned to what you're saying um you know you can be yourself that's perfectly fine and no one's saying not to but it's um it's going to a deeper uh, level with it mm. and thinking about what do i want to get out of this interaction and this conversation totally um so glenn what's your what would you say is your unique perspective on conversations given that you talk to a lot of people um and you are you are, um, you know, scanning and um, trying to find a match between a culture and an individual. Okay. So uh, I'll be honest, I don't think I have a unique perspective on, on conversations. I think perhaps because of the, the nature of what I do, I tend to analyse them more and, and certainly be conscious of, of more things that surround the conversation, such as the, the environment, first and foremost, um, the individual, their, their, their kind of body language, think the wider context of the conversation if there is a wider context um, is something I'm mindful of um, and certainly what I have observed of that person during the course of the day actually sometimes I, I'll, I'll kind of be taking sort of mental notes of kind of office interaction how people are, are kind of interacting um, during the course of the day how specific individuals are, are kind of maybe you know how they they appear in themselves during the course of the day um and that's that's something that i tend to draw on when i when i come to a uh, a conversation with them so in short i think the the importance of the conversation to them as well is 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 equally something that i'm mindful of um and i think also i uh I think about is this conversation a conversation in in isolation, or is it a continuation of you know a a particular dialogue, um, and how that kind of fits into the wider context of that person's I guess either either agenda or what they're they're driving towards or what they're asking or what they're looking for. So I think it's less a, a kind of u- a unique perspective. It's a combination of observations that I have um, when I come into a into a conversation with a one, an individual or a group of group of individuals, and it's I, I'm sure there's a lot about um, you know a lot of subconscious readings um, and a lot about how they make you feel or how you notice they make other people feel, whether that's a positive um, interaction or or an awkward one. Yeah, totally. Um, I think, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think that the nature of what I do, I'm. And I don't mean this to sound weird, but I'm kind of continually observing people, and and because you know my my role 
is, is people focused and so I'm, I'm observing individuals so how are they you know how are they how do they appear in the office before an interview because I'm thinking along the lines of if they've had a quite stressful morning will that go into the context of the interview and how will that actually then bleed into the the interview itself and the individual that's being interviewed what they will essentially experience in that interview um so there's yeah there's a number of sort of things that i i all reasons why i'm i'm kind of you know i guess health checking people during the during the course of the day right. um not to make so, yeah, anyone feel uncomfortable now who might <laughs> yes yeah of course now 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 that now that this is a, this is going to get broadcast um yeah. yeah people will suddenly be you know quite silent um but <laughs> I, I think around. I think that's so true I, I think when you are you are particularly when you're in an interview situation that everything is that much more heightened right um Agreed, you yeah. are aware everyone's wanting to make the right choices and the right gauge of uh, of each other uh, in both directions definitely um, and so. it's yeah it's it's that that kind of energy so and uh, one of the things i also do not just thinking from a, a kind of business that i'm working for and the people that i'm working with um from their perspective only i also think about the individual that's coming in to to interview so whilst we're on that on that subject so typically what I, I try and do is get get that individual into the the sort of office um 15 to 20 minutes before the interview just to have a sort of five to ten minute you know 15 minute chat with them see how they are how their energy is um see what their morning's been like um because ultimately you know if they've had a massively stressful morning and then they've had to rush and hurry to the interview um you know what kind of mindset are they in are they ready to be asked questions are they ready to to kind of talk about themselves which is you know more often than not not the most comfortable place for everybody to be right um, you know, kind of going into an interview and sort of talking through your experience and your drivers and your motivations and off the back of a, you know, a massively stressful morning, sometimes what you need is just a, you know, what I try and offer is just a bit of kind of calibration before that, get their energy up, get their enthusiasm up and try and quell the nerves if if there are nerves there and, and just try and, you know, put a, put a, a, a more sort of positive spin so that ultimately when those two individuals meet for that interview i know it's going to be a really positive conversation mm. well you're setting them up for the giving it their best shot absolutely yeah um you know kind of creating a platform for them to to really uh, show them you know it sounds a bit the best version of themselves yeah. um or yeah. certainly you know the, the the version that they would want to i wouldn't want either party to kind of come out of that interview thinking you know i didn't didn't quite come across the way i would want to i didn't quite um provide the level of kind of energy enthusiasm that i, I wanted to i want it to be a really really sort of positive meeting for both both parties mm. that's brilliant so um who has influenced you glenn in uh, or shaped your perspective on conversations Oh wow! So, so immediately, um, I thought of three individuals um, when uh, when I looked at this this particular question. So that's that's my wife, uh, my best friend, and a, and a former colleague and somebody I'm very happy to call a friend who happens to be a, a doctor in business psychology. So the way these three individuals certainly influence or shape my my perspective on conversations my wife bernadette has influenced me and, and shaped my perspective on conversations as she reminds me to just be me so it's it's a bit of a 
bit of a, an ongoing kind of joke in, in our house. She reminds me to, to kind of lose my radio voice. Um, so when she hears me on calls and I sound a little too scripted or kind of overtly corporate, um, she reminds me to, to kind of connect on that human level, which I think is really valuable. Um, whilst, you know, I mean, and, and, I, I, it, and it actually just her referencing the radio voice immediately um, kind of makes me laugh um, and actually kind of relaxes, relaxes me. So the next conversation I'm sure is, is always a lot more, um, yeah, a lot more human. Um, so yeah, can sure. I can I just interrupt you there and just ask why do you think you you adopt a radio? Yeah, that's a really voice? good question. Um, I think I think certainly when well certainly certainly part of my role I get asked uh, questions that are quite um, consistent. So people want to know about, you know, kind of the, the composition of the job, some of the deliverables, um, they want to know more about the company. And I think by by going through information that is, you know, there and ready and quantifiable, I think I um, there might be a danger that it does sound a little too scripted um, and, and not particularly kind of rounded at the edges. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I'm kind of talking through stats and, you know, kind of geographies and, you know, kind of revenue targets, et cetera, they're, they're, um, they're factual, um, but they're, yeah, they're, they're quite kind of hard statistics. So that's where I think that the, the radio voice comes through. Um, right. So, yeah, it's, um, it, it's a good reminder to me, as I said, when, when Bernie kind of sort of says, I heard the radio voice there. Um, I, I kind of think, right, next call, let's let's just round the edges a little bit. <laughs> um, so on to Diego, who's, who's who's my best friend. He's um he's influenced my approach to conversations because he is so generous in conversation. He is certainly somebody that's that's shown me the importance of of making others feel like their their opinions are valued through active listening. I mean, he's um. I don't know whether that's a conscious or unconscious thing with him. He's just always done it. And, you know, just kind of seeing him, um, certainly in, in kind of you know, friend situations where he's introduced to new people um, and certainly having worked with him and seeing him in a business context, I know that that's consistent. That's something he just does naturally. Um, so it's, it's a very good um, kind of, it's, it's a very good kind of role model to me right. in terms of that, that active listening piece. And then to, to, Dr. Tim, so as I said, Dr. Tim is a, a kind of former colleague and a now close friend. Um, he's, he's certainly influenced me through um, improving my active engagement in conversations. So what, what I mean by that is um, it's conversational stamina. So challenging me not to lapse into kind of lazy conversation topics when you're, you're kind of meeting people the first time, you know, kind of talk about weather, sport general news topics he reminds me to, to really seek the value in that conversation for that person and for me which I think is which is a really um really important thing and and that you know Glenn that shows through the the influence that you um, those three people how they've influenced you does show up um, so you know I know in in first uh, few times of meeting you you're focused you're present um, you know you're very much there in the conversation and um, and you are always asking you know deeper questions um, you 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 delve into um, a topic or response um, 
So it's really nice and it's 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 nice because it makes us feel um, valued, right? It makes us feel like we have an, a point of view um, that someone's interested in or is important and it's validated. Absolutely. And, and thank you for that feedback. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, it's, it's something that I think is, is really important. Every conversation is important. I think every conversation, every interaction is, is important. And um, yeah, like you said, and you, you, you've said it so, so, so correctly there, it's, it's being present in that conversation um, and that not kind of drifting, drifting away or, you know, kind of not, not, um, not being act, an active participant in, in the conversation. I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's really important yeah. to, you know, be, be very present. And and conversation stamina is a really great way mm. to put it because it is that. It, I mean, it really is um, not allowing yourself to kind of drift off and think, okay, where do I have to be next? But actually stay with the conversation and have a genuine interest, right, in what the other person is saying so that you can ask more and more questions, that you can stay with that person. Um, and that it takes practice just like a sport, just like any any sort of um, activity where it requires it's a bit of an endurance sport maybe sometimes. <laughs> but um, I think it's um, stamina is a yeah. great way to, um, yeah, to refer to it. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, yeah. and it does take, um, you know, it does – Practice, but it, it requires you to be present in every conversation. It requires you to really kind of be active, active listening, listening to, to what that individual is saying, you know, kind of taking on board their opinions uh, and really, you know, kind of trying to, you know, increase the quality of, of that conversation um, because it is so easy to, you know, Certainly when you've met, say, for instance, in the context of meeting somebody for the first time, it's so easy to lapse into those those conversations around, you know, weather, sport, et cetera, um, and, and not actually really ask um, some, some not probing questions to be, you know, kind of overtly sort of personal, but, you know, just trying to really engage that individual, understand what's interesting to them. And, and oftentimes you have a context immediately um, when when a conversation starts whether it's work related whether it's personal it's just really about you know how you how you approach that and how you you get that momentum behind that conversation well it makes it memorable right and if you've actually asking questions that do go a little bit deeper and not autopilot type questions um you you are more likely to remember things about that individual totally. Um, totally indeed, yeah. that are important to them what's the best conversation you've ever had well um that's a really difficult question to answer because that that would require distilling so many conversations <laughs> down to just just one. Um, and I think I think it would be very it would be very challenging to to recall just one. So what what would be the elements of of that those conversations? So yeah, I, I think the the commons common themes through those conversations, or, or certainly one of the, the key common themes, is is learning something new about that individual that's important to them. I think that's, that's one of the, one of the key, key elements of, uh, of the best conversations I've had. Um, and they, you know, they can range, um, in, in the kind of emotional spectrum. Um, some can be quite challenging, uh, you know, very emotional. Some can be, you know, all the way through to, to, to very, uh, humorous. And, but I think that I guess the, the key thing for, for me personally is when the conversation has, has been, kind of concluded um there's an increased understanding 
and thereby uh, an increased human connection. And I think that come, comes back to um, you know the, the sort of previous question around kind of active listening and conversational stamina. But I do I do think just to kind of reiterate that you know um, you know getting that understanding or, or getting to that point of understanding um, what's important to that individual and, and you know that increased understanding of them is 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 one of the sort of key things for from 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 a really great conversation. Yeah. And so on the other end of the spectrum then what would be what what are the things that um would mean you end up defining that conversation as probably the worst um uh conversation ever. Yeah, and absolutely. I mean not every conversation is really positive, right? <laughs> So, um, and I have had some some very challenging conversations in in, in my time in recruitment, um, and I think the the ones that you know make it a really negative conversation is where you you just have highly irrational emotion. So it's just kind of it's off the spectrum compared to the sort of topic or you know the kind of subject you're you're talking about, where the individual is is really overtly kind of emotional or actually on on the on the other side where they're they're dismissive of even engaging mm. in a conversation it's it's almost like a couple of quick sound bites and the conversation's over um and i think this manifests either in a, a level of aggression or, or passive aggressive approach i mean it's just not comfortable kind of kind of you know conversation <laughs> to, to to be in but i, I will i think I'll, I'll caveat that in so much as on occasion i think I may have failed to read that person um, and maybe their kind of level of anxiety around the, the conversation topic. They may have deemed deemed the you know the topic confrontational and I haven't I haven't read that correctly. Um, and that could have you know led to their their slightly dismissive behaviour or, or kind of increased emotion. So I'm always looking for the learning in a conversation, um, whether it's a positive or negative, mm. I think there's always a learning in there um, for me. So um, whilst it's, it's never nice to be in a, a really sort of tough, challenging conversation, I think there's always a learning to be taken from it. And have you, have you had opportunities after conversations like that to, to reconnect with that individual or, or um, have another go at the conversation? Yeah, I'm, I always attempt to because I think if you've had a, a really challenging or tough conversation, that's, that's usually not the end mm. of the conversation. That's probably just a, a kind of, mm. you know, I guess a, I don't know, a line's been drawn or, a, you know, a, a, almost a preliminary kind of conclusion or decision has been drawn. But I think you, you, I certainly always try and re-engage and get that back to a place of kind of a, a sort of positive conversation or positive engagement. Um, I think what's interesting is that... Um we can often leave conversations in a stalemate um, and then revisiting that conversation, going back um, and catching up with someone and say, hey, can we, can we try that again? Doesn't happen. Um, mm -hmm. But it's always an option to open to us um, to actually find that person and say, hey, I didn't feel like that meeting or that conversation went very well. Um, did I miss something? Was there something going on that I was there? Was I, you know, was I being completely obtuse and not seeing <laughs> what you were trying to communicate? Um, can we have another go at it? 
and um so i i you know those are that's a sort of step that we often abandon we just have a, a rubbish conversation with someone and it's left at that um and and then future conversations you know have that as the history rather than a repair um of that conversation which actually can improve your relationship can improve the connection massively because you've actually both experienced something um, of high emotion, right? Um, and to have moved past it means you've got a shared experience of getting through something that's uncomfortable, um, which can improve re conversations, relationships remarkably. Absolutely. And I think um, I should have answered that question exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're aligned. That's the important exactly, thing, exactly. Uh, <laughs> just, just to add to that, I do think that sometimes you may go back into that conversation, and the outcome or decision may be the same, but actually, it's kind of acknowledged in a slightly more kind of calmer, uh, rational way. I think you know you're almost looking to sort of sense check that that decision um, is is the right decision. You may disagree with it, um, but certainly in that kind of heightened state of emotion, it, it's it's I think it's important just to kind of revisit it when both parties are, are calmer um, and, you know, and then, like I say, acknowledge, okay, a decision has been made and, you know, we can, we've we concluded that and actually we've agreed it in a slightly sort of calmer setting. Um, and I think that's, 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 a, that's a positive outcome. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, so important for a couple of reasons come to mind. One is some of us need a little bit longer to sit with an idea. Right. Um, and um, and consider what we think about that. And we can feel um, ambushed if we have to respond there and then. Right. We might have a feel that it's not quite right, but we can't quite name what's going on and why we feel it's not quite right. And secondly, the fact that you go back and have another attempt at the conversation it shows positive intention, right? You are actually wanting, a, you know, something better to come out of it. And you can actually state what you just said, which is, um, you know, we it would be great if we were aligned and we can reach agreement, but we may not. Um, and, um, and that is important to state as well, right? That we not always going to agree. It's not always going to be a, a united um, decision. Um, and uh, but you know how we we get behind a decision and move forward with it is really important. So you're you're not being dismissive of their voice. Totally agree. Totally. Mm -hmm. So in talking about always learning, Glenn, um, what would be um, what would you say is your worst habit in conversations? <laughs> Oh, this is so easy. So yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it's it's certainly something I'm continuing to work on. And it's it's my um, over enthusiasm to introduce information <laughs> and 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 an opinion, which some would interpret as just straightforward interrupting, basically. Um, as a I, I, so, let me just let me just kind of provide some some context um as i referenced earlier i, I certainly can't class myself as a, a slightly more introverted soul as a uh, as opposed to an extrovert and i think i spent uh, what felt like so many years struggling to to find my voice even though you know i had i, I felt i had sound 
opinions and knowledge to share um, and it just kind of came from a, a place of being quite quite introverted and, and quite shy if I'm honest and and now that's kind of manifest itself in as I said that excitement to share information um, and feeling free to do so um, that I find myself kind of agreeing with people and then very quickly adding information in and I think it does does come across sometimes as me just kind of jumping the gun in terms of the, the, the flow, the give and take of the conversation. So it's something I'm acutely aware of and something I'm, I'm definitely continuing to work on. Well, and, and as an introverted person, I think um, it's, it's actually really helpful. It's a great way of getting out of this sort of self-consciousness that we have sometimes. Um, by actually thinking about what's the context, what's my remit here, what's the topic that we need to be discussing. So it, you know, um, I think you you can be allowed the few interruptions <laughs> because you are actually generating, you know, dialogue and getting um, getting a conversation going where maybe once upon a time that would have been quite hard to do. Yeah, ex- exactly that. I think. Um... It, it's interesting that you can read individuals' body language and, and kind of facial expressions when you kind of overstep the mark, I think, with with kind of interrupting. It's something that it, it helps me kind of sense check myself. So how do people respond sometimes when you know that you've interrupted too many times? It's 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 a combination of a couple of things. It's uh, it's either, you know, kind of a slight raise of the eyebrows, um, a kind of deep drawing of, of the breath, sort of like... <laughs> okay, continue. <laughs> um, so it's a, it's a combination of those, those those two things that typically are the, the sort of warning lights for, for me to just sort of say, okay, Glenn, take a step back and and just kind of breathe a bit more air into the to the conversation. Let um, you know, l- let it open up mm. a bit more. You know? So, what do you reckon gets in the way of a conversation? Well, I I, I think there's there's kind of three things in in my experience that I think always kind of get in a way of a really good conversation that's that's a real specific personal agenda so if you're arriving at a conversation not even thinking about the audience not even thinking about realistically what their opinions or response may be you just you just want to get the agreement that you want that's that's not a conversation <laughs> in my my opinion um i think uh, a, a high degree of stubbornness to to acknowledge um another individual's kind of opinion um, or dis, you know, dis stubbornness or, or dismissiveness um, and, and ego as well, uh, which kind of can manifest itself in a number of different ways. Um, but yeah, those, those three things for me, I think definitely get in the way of a good conversation because they're not open, they're not generous, they're not, um, they're not engaging um, and they're not thinking about the all parties in the conversation. They're quite singular. They're quite, um, directed from that right. individual only and from their perspective only. Yeah, and they're not taking responsibility for making sure that their audience is ready to receive them. This is something I, I you know, I, I talk about a lot um, to clients is we are responsible for um, making sure that the airwaves are open, right, that they are ready to receive, that they want to talk to you, they want to hear what you have to say. And if you don't have that awareness... Um, if you're not thinking about, um, you know, the the audience you're trying to influence or get buy-in from, um, you you know you can go with your ego and you can go with you know the um, 
a position that um, you know you feel really strongly about, but you won't get people backing you. You won't get people in your corner. You won't build advocates and supporters for what it is that you're trying to do. So ultimately, what's more important here? Is it to move something forward or is it to express your point of view strongly? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it, it does. It builds, you know, kind of it builds barriers between people. Um, and that's that's yeah. never a good thing. Tell me, what do uh, what do people enjoy about conversations with you? So I think they will probably be quite aware that I listen. Um, I ask questions, um, and I'm certainly always ensure that that individual uh, or group of individuals has my my complete attention. And I think if you feel like you're in a conversation where the other individual or individuals are uh, are doing that. I think you know you feel more empowered to to share those opinions and, and know they'll be respected and received and and as I said, come back to my point around respectfully challenged. Yeah, tell me about you. You, you talked about um, being humorous, sometimes unintentionally. <laughs> uh, why don't you explain? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I I don't consider myself to be a particularly humorous person. Um, I think most of uh, you know the, the kind of humor I inject into to a conversation is. is probably unintentional um just purely sometimes because i go off on a, an excitable tangent about a particular subject um or i make an observation that that could be quite amusing to the other other individual and actually when i realized that i've made somebody laugh um it actually it it's not a narcissistic thing it just actually amuses me as well um so i, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing you know humor in a conversation Yay. is always good right yes yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I think it's just uh, the delight, isn't it? That um, if if we did end up making someone laugh um, unintentionally, um, that's not a bad thing, right? That's a lovely thing to bring into the energy. Totally. Yeah. Totally indeed. Because I am awful at telling jokes. <laughs> really <laughs> awful. The delivery is just so poor. Um, so... Can you remember jokes, Glenn? No, not at all. That's, so someone that's puts big... you on the spot. Glenn, oh, tell us a joke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there would just be a long pause. <laughs> so um, what do you think is or what do you feel is critical for people to understand your perspective? Okay. Um, so I, I'm not entirely sure that uh, you can get everybody to understand your perspective. I think mm. that's that's almost like trying to force an agenda into a conversation. So, uh, say, take a, a subject as, as volatile as political party allegiances. Mm -hmm. So one of my, my really good friends, Patrick and I, um, or Paddy, um, we, we debate or have debated um, political subjects previously, and we are absolutely polar opposites on most things relating to anything political um so i don't i don't expect him to fully understand my perspective but i would like to think that he respects my perspective i, I know he does so in in the context of a conversation with with a, a colleague or a senior stakeholder we may differ on our, our perspectives but i think that there does need to be that underlying respect um because ultimately that will get us to a point of actually of actually um, getting a, a, a sort of positive conclusion from from the conversation. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. So, if I can give you a, a kind of a work context example, 
of that. Um, mm-hmm. So a, a hiring manager may not fully understand why I think they need to make an offer to an individual because from their perspective, um, which is different, they may be thinking about the results in the next three months. Um, they may be thinking about the workload in the next three months and they may be thinking about the level of capability they need in that next three months. Whereas I'm actually thinking about the next nine to 12 months. I'm thinking about that personal's growth potential, how they you know, can deliver maybe 65, 70, 75% of the, the deliverables we're looking for now and their growth potential to hit that sort of 100%. And equally, I'm thinking about the overall kind of cultural fit. So it's, it's like I say, the perspectives may be different, but we, I think there does need to be that, that respect for us to get to a point where we can make a final decision that is, is fully considered. And it's a, it's a balance, isn't it? It's the needs, immediate needs is kind of what mm. I heard you say. Um, typically for someone, you know, wanting that new hire to start as mm-hmm. soon as possible. Um, they've got a, a, a deep need um, immediately to sort. And so that's mm-hmm. the focus. Um, so what you're bringing to the picture is, okay, well, that's great. They can deliver that, but we also need to think about, are they the right fit for us as a, mm. a longer term? Because it's an investment, right? It's an investment on both sides. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. In the relationship. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you, you, you've nailed it specifically there. I mean, it, it is an investment. So, you know, you may want that person to come in and, and, you know, kind of deliver against what you need them to do. And you need that 100% capability now. But after that three-month period, what about that individual's growth potential? If, they've, if they can deliver against mm. all of the, the capability in, in, that you require and all the deliverables you require from them, what does the next, you know, what does beyond three months look like for them? More of the same? That's not particularly challenging as a career step, is it? Going into a role that you can fully deliver against, what do you learn? Where's your growth potential? Where's your career ladder? And I think, you know, that that for me is, you know, that that consideration is, it has to be broader. It has to be broader. Right. And will they want to stay, right? So, you know, that, yeah. that works for three months, but will they want to exactly. be here beyond um, that initial need? Um, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Totally. So, um, Glenn, it, this has been great, uh, great conversation. I've got one last question for you, which is what would you leave listeners with? Okay, great. Well, listen, first and foremost, this has been really enjoyable. See how I was, I was really excited to come on and, and talk to you. It's always a, a great conversation with you. Um, Thank you. But in, in, certainly in, in answer, in answer to, your, to your question. So I would say to to listeners, be a be a student of conversation in all aspects of your life. Don't be a don't be a lazy listener or just a, a sort of general conversationalist. I would say you know, certainly think about your conversational stamina, being an, an active listener, um, because I think human interaction is the most valuable and enjoyable aspect of everyday life, and we are all better for it in both our, our personal and business life. I couldn't agree more, Glenn. Thank you so much. This has been brilliant. Thank you, Siham. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Better Conversations with me, Siham Sirene. You'll find show notes at sihamsirene.com forward slash podcast, including more information about my guest, Glenn Martin. Have you listened to previous episodes? What do you think? What do you enjoy? And what would you like to hear more of? Do drop me a line 
podcast at sihamsirene.com. You'll find all episodes on Apple Podcast and Spotify, so I do hope you'll subscribe. If you agree with Glenn and I that human interaction is one of the most valuable and enjoyable aspects of everyday life, perhaps you'll consider his advice. Be a student of conversation and don't be lazy. Instead, invest in building your conversation stamina. Until next time, I'm Siham Sirene and this has been a better conversation. Mm-hmm.